I'm Paul Brady, Regional Editor at The Cork Report, and this is my podcast, A Northern Wine Odyssey, part of The Cork Report Podcast Network. To listen, search Cork Report in Google or your podcast app of choice. I've been away. I saw family for the first time in almost a year and even took a little vacation with my partner, but I'm happy to be back podcasting. And I have a busy summer, and I don't really love being busy, but uh, we're going to go big this summer. So have lots of fun up north shit planned, a couple of wine competitions to attend as a judge, and of course, the opening of my forthcoming business, Paul Brady Wine in Beacon, New York this fall. More updates on that on a future pod, because today we're talking about where to drink New York wines in New York City this summer. And the place I have for you is one that's not typically on the short list of wine bars that we often speak of, which is exciting. So here we go with Philip Chorba, manager of Yes Chef Wine Bar in Astoria, Queens. Hope you enjoy. Odyssey, a part of Corkport Podcast Media. Thank you, as always, to guitarist and composer Dave Miller for our opening music. Check him out at davemillerguitar.com. Joining me today, Philip Chorba of Yes Chef Wine Bar in Astoria, Queens. Chef, what's up? Hey, what's going on, bud? How are you? I'm well. It's uh, it's fun to chat. Uh, so much of our communication is uh, either text or Instagram DM, but yeah, I, yeah. I kind of wouldn't have it any other way. That's, <laughs> that's kind of where we get into it. It's my preferred medium. I'm a true, true artist. <laughs> um, how was uh, your Memorial Day weekend? Did you get a day to, to chill? Uh, yeah, actually, yeah. What was that? That was like two, two weekends ago. Yeah. Uh, so the beauty of Yes Chef is that, you know, Chef Laszlo, Beric Zazi, and his wife, Ildiko, are the owners, and I'm the only employee, right? So there'll be times when he's just like, yeah, we're not open this Saturday. We're just getting out of town. I love that. That's just so European. Right? Well, you know, the dude's Hungarian, you know, and not like, you know, American Hungarian like me, like, you know, Hungarian Hungarian, right? And there's Was it always like that, like even before the pandemic? Yeah, yeah. Like, That's a nice, like, just you know, quality of life. You know, I agree. I it's it 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 took me a little bit of time to kind of get accustomed to it. You know, like someone made our Yelp page for us. It's unclaimed. The hours are incorrect. The hours on Google are incorrect. It's just like the only way to find out if we're open is DM us over Instagram or call. You know, I mean, this that's kind of. Off in the modern way. Yeah. Uh, it was so, so many places uh, are rolling that way, actually, when I think about it these days. Um, but what, uh, okay, we're going to, we're going to get into sort of the origins of Yes Chef and, and all that. Uh, let's talk a little bit about you before we get into our topic, which is, which is Yes Chef Wine Bar being a, a fantastic place to drink New York wines this summer and, and year round, really. Remind me where you're from. All right. So I was born on the Upper West Side, grew up primarily in Bergen County, New Jersey, 
and then uh, you know went to college upstate at Union College in Schenectady, New York. And then after graduating with a theater degree, moved down to New York City immediately. Lived with some childhood friends from you know the Upper West Side down Chelsea, and now I'm in Astoria. I've been in Astoria since 2007, and that's that's where I'm at. And you have you have a pretty cool career as an actor. Uh, yeah, and your your uh, your your wine bar endeavors are are pretty much by choice. What's been going on in in your world of of screen acting or voiceover acting since the pandemic? I mean, I I, I uh, imagine that it hasn't been all fun and games. Yeah, I mean, it's it's it it uh, basically ground to a halt, you know. And I was um, I was a working actor, you know. I you know like three feature films, about twenty TV shows, commer- I don't know, one hundred and fifty, two hundred commercials. Yeah, I don't know. Um, you know, but I always kept, uh, nightlife jobs and like, you know, bar jobs. Cause I wanted that steady paycheck, you know, cause I wanted to like walk into an audition and like, not, not sweat the job. Right. Like people can smell desperation from a mile away. Right. And the second that I walks into the room, like, you're not going to get the job. Like you're not going to get it. Right. So I knew that if I worked in the industry, all right, like rents covered, rents covered, whatever, you know, um, but I did book a series and we shot the pilot around Thanksgiving and we're going to shoot the rest of the, of uh, the first season in June and July on like Monday, Tuesday, Wednesdays. So I guess yes, chef will not be open on those days. I guess it's going to be early. <laughs> just, I'm just kind of figuring it out right now. <laughs> just as, and as a matter of fact, you know, uh, today's Wednesday, June 9th, right? Thursday through Sunday. We're also not going to be open because one of my best friends is getting married. So we're doing a, a bachelor party and I, in my Machiavellian best way possible, I'm like, have you considered the Finger Lakes? So that's, that's where we're going. That's, that's right. That's right. That's you mentioned that. So that's where we'll, we're going. Uh, we'll, we'll let, we'll, we'll chat about your trip too. So, okay. I want to first just kind of paint a picture as to how, how I got to know you and how I view your, um, really pretty amazing expertise in in the, on the wine bar scene in New York city. So I, I I got a shout out. I think it was Kyle Palachak, um, then of Sheldrake point winery now of the executive director of the Finger Lakes wine Alliance. I think it was her who, who, told me about Yes Chef and, and that you were buying some New York wines uh, for the program there. And that's how I uh, became aware and, and invited you to come up to the Finger Lakes on, on a trip uh, at that time when I was working for the New York Wine and Grape Foundation. But how did you make your way to Yes Chef and how did you begin uh, your education into wine? Right. So I just got tired of working in nightclubs, man. You know, uh, the money was great, but, you know, to those of us who know it, it comes at a cost, right? Um, you know, I'm married now with two children at the time. It was just one child, you know, my, my oldest Orson, you know, uh, my son Orson, I wasn't really around a lot. You know, I was paying the bills and everything was all fine, but like, you know, I wasn't really around and like, you know, life's what happens when you're busy making other plans. Right. So. You know, I thought, all right, you know, I don't need a full-on job job to round it out. Like, I was already making a decent amount of money as an actor. I just need to, like, subsidize, right? And I wanted to just kind of simplify my life. I thought about, well, what if I work in Astoria? 
And it was really hard for me to find a job in Astoria because no one knew me, right? Like for my entire career downtown, I could, you know, text, you know, any number of the beverage directors, floor managers, right, in my phone. And I'd generally get a trail within a couple of days, right? And I'd be offered a job. Astoria, no one knew me. And then I saw this um, aggregated post on We Heart Astoria that I think originally came from Queen's Gazette or something like that about this wine bar opening up on 30th Avenue, but it's like after Steinway Street. And, it, it, you know, sort of like the meat of the neighborhood in Astoria, like the sort of east-west divide is like 31st Street, which is uh, the elevated train line, and then Steinway. And everything's sort of like, for the most part, exists within those like two parallel lines, right? So it was on the eastern side of Steinway. I thought, okay. You know, I, you know, I like walked by the space. It looked small. looked like maybe 15, 20 seats. I thought, all right, well, you know, if I could just get like some money each week, then it would be enough to like cover rent and stuff, you know? So I just emailed the guy cold. I just emailed Chef Cold. I'm like looking for a bartender. <laughs> it was the subject line. And, you know, I just wrote, you know, hey, Chef, not sure if you're looking for a bartender or not, but, you know, this is where I'm at right now. I'm doing like, you know, 15 grand out of my register each night. I can handle volume. You know, I've also worked as a prep cook and a line cook seasonally. You know, I'm sure it's, you know, being a new place is going to be moving target as to kind of who does what, you know, uh, who does what rather. Sorry. And um, I was like, you know, and at the very least, you know, you're Hungarian. I'm of Hungarian descent. Let's meet. right? <laughs> we should at least meet. And he's like, sure. Come on down. And, like, from the moment that we met, like, it was clear that we were, like, very similar, you know, in a lot of ways. And, you know, our mindset was, like, you know, you stay out of my way, I'll stay out of your way. As long as the money's coming in, we don't care. You know what I mean? Just let's just, let's just like, have a good time, you know? So that's kind of how I found out Yes Chef. And initially, I was just brought on as, like a bartender and I was going to create like a vermouth based cocktail menu. Right. And then just kind of quickly turned into me serving and I'd never been a server before, you know, I was always a bartender or like line cook, you know, and just kind of turned into like a whole different animal. Okay. And so from there, because you're, you're operating basically with a wine bar license as opposed to a full liquor license. So that I gather is where you started to dabble in the vermouth cocktails. And then from there, it sort of just spiraled out into the broader world of wine. Yeah. So basically I had these like, you know, I had these like vermouth cocktail lists just, you know, written down and stuff. And you know, we did like a tasting of it. And he's like, yeah, okay. Yeah, this is good. Anyways, here's the wine that we've picked, you know, and, and uh, initially it was like four wines from Lakewood. It was their Lemberger, their Cabernet Franc, their Dry Riesling, and their Pinot Gris. And I was like, okay, I've heard of the second, third, and fourth. What the heck is a Lemberger? I have no idea. So I poured it. I'm like, oh, my God. This is like a Pinot Noir with like some balls. I'm like, I love it, you know? And then we just, you know, it was because of how the place was designed, it was clear that with my foot pattern and all the traffic in there that Basically, the the vermouth-based cocktail list just quickly went away. And I was just basically a server. And I'm like, well, whatever. I don't I don't care, you know? And then um, you know, I didn't know how to how to describe wine, but I just thought of it 
from like my line cook experience, like, you know, just two to three adjectives with, you know, what does it look like? What does it smell like? What does it taste like? You know, what's, what's my subjective take on it? What does it like remind me of, you know, sort of like how I describe Lemberger, AKA Blau Frankish. And, you know, it's just like, it's like Pinot Noir with balls. Like that's what it is, you know? And then they saw like how well I would sell wine to people. Like, I'm a pretty charismatic guy. Like I can sell things to people, you know? And then one time, like um, the distributor came through and they were like, here are deals and chef, I guess, kind of recognizing something in me or just being like, well, he's my employee. Like I'm going to put him to work rather was like, you know, pick a wine out. And I, you know, asked for like a three case purchase of some like, it's like a baby Amarone or something basically and flew off the shelf. And they're like, all right, you might be good at picking wines. And then, you know, I would continue to learn more and more and more and go to tastings and like organically network with people. And then once I got invited up to that trip that you had just mentioned, that's when I think my knowledge began to like blossom more, you know, because out of all the people that were on the trip there, I would say that I was like the least experienced, you know, and I loved that. Well, and I think that 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 uh, there's something advantageous about that, and I and I do want to get into that because I I I know that what you just said is true. I I also know that that you can sell things, and when people think about expertise in wine, um, whether that be in a retail shop or a restaurant, it's usually in in sort of an academic way, right? We're 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 programmed to to view wine experts as these people who have this deep sort of academic interest and knowledge of wine. But we also know that that doesn't always equate to sales. And I think that any, and by the way, best description ever for a Lindberger. <laughs> um, I think that any, any general manager, restaurateur, chef, owner of a restaurant uh, would also recognize in, in someone like you that you're going to be able to, you're going to be able to help with their bottom line as much or maybe more than those who decide to take the more academic uh, pursuit of various wine credentials and things like that. And yeah, you're right. You probably were um, sort of a, just a different kind of person in, in the wine space on that trip. There were certainly some others on the trip who probably have some credentials that they would put after their name in their email signature that might have to do with some wine certification sequence. Um, but that doesn't mean that they're necessarily better at the job. Uh, and I've really only known a few other people like you. And those people were some of the best salespeople on the floor of the wine bar, of the restaurant that I've ever worked with. So I, I want to I wanna kind of unpack that a little bit with you and get into your approach to hospitality and selling wine. Now, the the thing that I like so much about your Instagram content for Yes Chef Wine Bar is that, you, I mean, it's, it's easy to see that you're always having fun. Like whether you're just putting out a meme, whether it's a video shot, whether it's just the list of, of the menu, the, 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 the wines, the food, whatever it is, there's always an, an obvious element of fun. One hundred percent, a hundred percent. I believe that fun is contagious, and that having fun is an incredibly effective way 
to sell something. You're, and in your wine program, which uh, it seems to me to be uh, uh, heavy on sort of the, the Central and Eastern European uh, wines, as, as well as local New York wines. Uh, so help me sort of corroborate that. Is that your approach? Is it simply have fun, make money? Or is it more nuanced than that? Yeah, it's 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 definitely leaning heavily towards have fun and let's make money. Like, you know, I want I want people to leave Yes Chef and thinking, oh my God. Like I got obliterated at this wine bar and this place was jumping. You know what I mean? But also it's like we currently have a lot of like, you know, Central European stuff on the list, but it's, you know, we don't really even have like an actual list. Like, you know, people sit down and I'll, you know, and if I read their energy that, you know, they're going to allow me to pull up a chair, I'll be like, yo, what's up? Welcome to Yes Chef. How's it going? You ever been here before? They'll be like, no, I'll be like, oh shit. Awesome. What's up? I'm Phil up. I run the front of the house. I guess you can call me the song here too. Like I make all the wine decisions, whatever. So what's the vibe tonight? A bottle, bottle of nosh, full on meal. We getting after it. What's going on? You know, it's because we're like 25 seats, right? So we're too small to be formal. It would be like going to an Irish bar and there's like a bathroom attendant. Like, bro, you know that no one carries cash anymore. Like, why are you here? Like, like stop it. Stop it. You know? Um, but basically, it's sort of like the wine program has just like grown like as I'm learning more. Like, I didn't know what Lemberger was, like I said. You know, I didn't know that it was the same thing as Blaufrankisch, right? So that's one on Wikipedia. It's typed in Lemberger. But then I'm like, oh, my gosh. I should tell Chef that it's also known as Kekfrankosh. I was like, oh, how quaint. This grape is called different things in different parts of the world. I honestly had no idea. Like, I knew, you know, Saran, Shiraz, or Shiraz, or whatever you say. I don't know. But I don't know. Lemberger, Blaufrankisch, uh, Kekfrankosh. You know, so the list has kind of grown along with me, like learning about new grapes, you know? Um, and yeah, it's just been like a lot of fun. It's, you know, we started, you know, saying like, oh, sick vibes is like a joke. Like that's one, like the themes on the, on the Instagram posts, like sick vibes. But now I guess I've really like kind of bought into it. Like this weird reversed Stockholm syndrome <laughs> type, type of thing. Yeah. I mean, it's a, uh, it's a fun th- through line for for all the the memes and posts and things like that and very very clever branding and it's just funny um so what is your approach to the 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 sort of wine drinking demographic that comes into yes chef in terms of your wine offerings so you you know just to give the listener an idea as to some of the new york wines that you've had it's a pretty broad selection it's everything from what's kind of um classic and celebrated to what is new and exciting to what is sort of traditional and you know from some of the larger old school wineries in new york uh is is your approach just kind of like well whatever philip likes philip can sell or is there a more sort of laser like focus to making the selections it's more kinetic and it's more like whatever i'm into like that's what that's what we're gonna have uh, at the moment, you know, and a lot of that is driven by the fact that we're so small, like, you know, we can't have more than 20 or 25 cases like on site, like in any given time. Right. 
So our current uh, offerings in the Finger Lakes, we have um, both the Riesling Pet Nat and the the uh, Cabernet Franc from uh, Butwin Grove currently. And I just sold out of Sheldrake Points Rosé. I got about a case and a half left of their Gamay, uh, which I sell at like white wine temperature. It just sells a crusher, you know, just crush it. And uh, I got Lemera Landings uh, T23 Cabernet Franc. So and good. I had, uh, yeah, right. Oh my gosh. And I have uh, uh, one other single vineyard, uh, Dry Reasons, I think from the Red Oak Vineyard, if I correctly. I think that's, Sounds yeah. Right. So that's, yes, that's what we have going on now. Um, you know, in the past, it's been a lot of liquid. You know, I've brought on uh, Dr. Constantine Frank's uh, Cab Franc. Uh, there are Arcazzatelli was in May's Wine Club. I've had a lot of stuff from Osmoat. Um, you know, what up? Yeah, just like I mean, right, right, right you know. there. You I like a drive a doll blanc. I like a drive a doll. You know, I was just like, wow. You know, like I tried it and I was like, oh, this reminds me of like this, like a dirty Gewürztraminer type of thing. Like it's got that sweet musky smell, but it's dry and there's a little bit of like minerality on the back. I'm like, this is fun and weird. This is what I'll pour to some like, you know, wine snob. Be like, oh, you don't like New York? Okay, try this. What's oh my god, I love it. I'm like, it's a drive a doll from from like <laughs> like Cayuga. Like, take it. So, even in that short list right there, I mean, you mentioned uh, pretty much like everything that's going on. I mean, you talk about Lakewood. That's a that's a a family that's been farming that land for generations. Uh, you mentioned you know Buttonwood Grove and Osmode. I mean, like the Buttonwood Grove Pet Nats. And and what Ben Riccardi's doing at Osmo, that slightly leans in, into the natural wine direction. Maybe not all the way, but definitely leans that way. Uh, and then something like Lamero Landings, Cap Franc, and Riesling, another well-regarded grower and sort of mainstream, you know, kind of definition of like mainstream Finger Lakes vinifera wines. Uh, that's a, that's a cool list right there. What do the, the drinkers who come into Yes Chef at large think about a, a mix of wines like that? They love it. They find it to be really exciting. You know, it's, um, <clears throat> sort of like that aisle, like a uh, TJ Maxx where it's all like the home goods things, you know what I mean? And you're like, do I really want a glass giraffe that holds five liters of olive oil. Like, I don't, I don't, I don't know, but if I come back tomorrow, it's not going to be here anymore. You know? So people will be like, you know, Hey, do you have any more of that? Uh, Osmo pet nat? I'll be like, I got one bottle left. Like, Oh my God, I want it. You know? Um, but I found that, uh, the people of Astoria, or at least the people that come into yes, chef, like want to try something funky and fun. They sit down, they know the vibe. They know that I can, you know, just sort of like take them on a ride, you know, and they'll sit down. They'll be like, what are we drinking tonight, Philip? You tell me, you know, and then I'll ask them. I'll be like, you know, do you want like like a rounder white? Do you want something more minerally? Do you want like a super light body red that you can crush? You want like like a fizzy rosé? Like what's uh, what's going on? You know, so they're like pretty. I would say that they're pretty adventurous people, you know. And and that's also bolstered by the fact that, like, you know, I've been the only person to work there for the past three and a half plus years. So they trust me, you know, and and if someone is not loving the wine, 
I'll say, hey, I'll drink it. And I'll literally pour their wine into my glass and drink it. And I'll wash out a glass and I'll give them a new glass. I'll take it off their bill. Like I'd rather take that like, you know, $12 hit or whatever it is, you know? Yeah. So I, I'm curious on that trip up to the Finger Lakes, as you mentioned before, you sort of self-identified as somebody who has not gone the classic route with the wine books and the wine courses and things like that. How did you feel that you got along with uh, those other members of the, of the industry? Yeah. I mean, I've definitely made some really solid and legitimate, you know, personal and uh, professional friendships out of that trip. I mean, I am like really, you know, glad that I was invited on and, you know, thanks to Kyle for dropping my name. Thanks to you for sort of, you know, kind of following uh, that lead, you know, it's, I didn't know if they knew each other, but I didn't know anyone. Right. So, you know, we were all kind of like politely feeling each other out. Well, it's a pretty good like, trip to, to get to know people for the first time. For sure. So, to for paint sure. that picture for the listener, what that particular trip for the wine trade from, from New York city and, and uh, sometimes uh, other places um, that one in particular was an opportunity to go up during harvest to the Finger Lakes, uh, work the harvest at a different winery each day, and while staying in a house with everyone and having dinners every night together. Um, so, so it is a pretty fun and relaxed way to to get to know other members of the trade. It's like kind of ideal, right? So even if there was just differences in, in background, it kind of goes all the way that first second that you break bread together. Yeah, yeah, man. And it was it was a lot of fun. And, you know, kind of by like, you know, the third night, we we're all like high fiving each other like, ah, oh, yeah, come to your chef. I can't wait to come to your chef, blah, blah. You know, and it was just, you know, like, at the end of the day, we all like eating and drinking, you know, I mean, if we weren't passionate about it, we'd be doing anything else. Right. They're like easier industries to work in. They're more lucrative industries to work in. Right. You know, anyone who works and, you know, food and beverage, hospitality, nightlife, whatever you want to call it. You know, we all enjoy those moments of, like you said, like breaking bread together. And that kind of brought us all together. You know, it was, it was, it was really nice elixir. So I want to ask you about your sort of the nitty gritty of selling New York wine. So I I've been pushing this boulder up, up the hill for as long as I've lived in New York city or I don't live in New York city anymore, but I moved there in 2008, already very interested in, in New York wine. And, and, and most of the, you know, like five or six people that listen to this podcast know my background already. So I don't really need to get into that. Seven but, counting me, Paul. <laughs> uh, I, I, I've i been, you know, d- putting the work in, uh, yelling into the megaphone for a while now, while sort of trying to just make my way through the trenches of the traditional uh, hospitality-based wine industry. In, in the New York City area. And it, and it was very difficult for, for a minute there to convince people uh, that New York wines or other wines from different parts of uh, Northeastern North America are worth it. And I realized shortly into the job with the New York Wine and Grape Foundation that it's not consumers who were resisting New York wines. I, I know now that consumers love New York wines because I was privileged to to work at all sorts of consumer events, whether that be in New York City or throughout the rest of uh, the state or elsewhere in the country and even a little bit internationally. 
what I, I learned that it was the trade that was slowing down the escalation of New York wines and their identity as, as being great. The trade was so interested in wines from pretty much anywhere else. And I really do think that wine is an escape. Wine is an interest. It's, it's a way to study other cultures and, and uh, various uh, you know, geographics throughout the rest of the world. And that's great. But what that tends to do is it leaves people kind of less interested in their own home turf, if you, if you will. So for somebody who lives in New York, they're much more interested in studying, you know, the beautiful landscape that is California or Oregon or Washington or France or Italy. So it, it's been more of a challenge for me to hook the trade than it has the consumer. Now, the good thing for New York wines is the consumers are the ones buying the wines for the most part. So I have come to a very happy realization that. I don't have to worry about selling New York wines because I know consumers love them. And it was really sort of the trade that just couldn't couldn't sort of get themselves to embrace it. Now that's changing. Uh, it's, it's so much different now than it once was. But I'm curious as to if you kind of felt any pushback from your guests at Yes Chef. Uh, about, about trying New York wines very, 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 very rarely. Very rarely. Um, you know, I just always just kind of lead it in, you know. I'll be like, you know, what's up? You know, it's the list tonight. Yeah, you know, we got some stuff from Austria, Sutoroya, Italy. You know, we got some stuff from Hungary. And one of my favorite wine regions in the world is actually here in New York State. It's in the Finger Lakes. So let's let's chat about that. And then, you know, they'll kind of perk up. Someone will say like, oh, do you have Riesling? I'll be like, yeah, obviously. <laughs> like, what? You know what I mean? Um, yeah, and kind of shame on that trade for not wanting to at least look into it or like well, try. I mean, like, uh, I, it's like, come know, on. I've, I've, right? uh, <laughs> preached to the I, choir I, here, obviously. It's, it's, but, I know. And I've lamented enough about this and I, and I am forgiving because look, I understand. I mean, it's like, mm -hmm. okay, you're going to immerse yourself into this difficult subject that is wine. And I know every day we tell consumers, it's not that lofty, just drink what you like. But, you know, if you're one of these people who like to know everything or know a little bit about everything, or you like taking tests, exams for whatever reason, uh, <laughs> that there, it's, it could be a lot more interesting to you to book that trip to go to, you know, Corsica or, you know, Northeastern Italy than to drive four and a half hours, you know, up the Rust Belt to the Finger Lakes or to the <laughs> Niagara Escarpment or whatever. Or, sure. or Michigan or Virginia or whatever we got going here on the East Coast. Um, so I, 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 I forgive that. I get it. I understand. Um, but at the end of the day, I mean, we, we talk ad nauseum about farm to table eating. We, we, you know, you'll go to a restaurant and the owner will brag about how all their ingredients are sourced from within a few hours away and then they hand you an all Italian wine list. Yeah. Which, or they'll be like, do you have any Pinotage? Like not even the same hemisphere, bro. Like, come on, like, <laughs> you're killing me. You're killing me. You know? Yeah. It's like, it's wild. It's fucking nuts to me. And I think that it might've been a bit easier for me to sell New York wines because of where Yes Chef is located. Like we're in Queens, right? 
So a lot of people who live in Astoria and Western Queens are from they're from Long Island, like Nassau, Suffolk County, right? And they already know about you know the North Fork. They already know about like Long Island wine country. And they'll be like, oh, yeah, we always go around there. But tell me about this other New York wine region. You know what I mean? It's, they're already open to it, you know, because they know that, you know, they're already pretty familiar with like, you know, Macari and stuff, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So it was it was kind of an easier sell. Like it didn't, you know, like I had maybe a bit more pushback selling Hungarian wine than I had Finger Lakes wine. But that was just because they were surprised that like there was Hungarian wine. Sure. If at all. And some people were like, oh, I thought it was just sweet stuff like Tokai. Right. Right. Uh, and that's, Tokai. I think, where we get into a little bit of the friction with consumer versus trade, because the trade would would jump at that opportunity to study or visit, you know, remote wine regions of Hungary, probably more so than they would jump at that opportunity to go out to the North Fork, you know, if if given right. if given the yeah. choice. And again, right. I, I I don't want to dwell on that. I've I've uh, I've made my peace with that. And I and love going up to the Finger Lakes, man. It's dope. Like, man, I'll be getting invited back to many more of those things. It was so fun. Well, yeah. it's it's a place like the Finger Lakes is is unique. I mean, it's it's so far removed from any big city influence that it will always really be its its own thing. And and yeah, that's yeah. also why, why I love it too. Yeah. So so I'm curious how. You get up and on a work day, how do you turn it on every day? Because I just, I, I have a feeling that you're probably a natural, but I also don't want to just you know, assume that it's that easy. But again, your, your whole sort of ethos is creating this, this atmosphere of having fun. And it, it's, it's just like, it's not easy to do that every day. I mean, we all experience challenges and tribulations in life. Sure. How do you create that? Myself included. Yeah. yeah. I mean, man, you know, I just, it can be a form of an escape, you know, like it's an escape, you know, and, and also, you know, you know, through, you know, like I played football in high school and in college, right. You know, so I can go from zero to hundred in terms of, in terms of, of aggression, speed, power, you know, work as an actor, I can kind of turn on a corner you know, emotionally. And while I'm not like pretending to be having a good time, I'm really having a great fucking time. You know, I mean, it's, I just kind of walk up the Avenue, you know, I walk up a 30th Avenue and I kind of see what's going in, you know, kind of, uh, what's, uh, what's going on rather, you know, like I'll like pop into the neighborhood bars, give a high five and everyone's yells like, yes, chef. Like they'll yell at me. You know what I mean? I kind of feed off that. I come in there and, Chef comes in, he goes, hey, what's up, Jorba? And we give each other like a high five. And we're like, all right, chef, what's the food tonight? He's this and this and that. And we do it. And I just kind of feed off the energy. And I'm, you know, I'm kind of, I'm just kind of ready for it, you know? But again, if like a date comes in and I'm, you know, pretty good at reading people, you know, and if someone wants to be left alone, you know, I'll leave them alone. But most people who come to Yes Chef are there to, there to get after it, there to get after it, you know? So I can just kind of keep doing it, you know? And I just sleep soundly when I get home. <laughs> what's the, what's the pressure like when, when you're working? Because it sounds, it sounds very difficult to me, but I think that I'm sort of warped in my view of this, but let me, let me try to explain. So you've got a 25 seat wine bar and you are the only front of house employee. 
Yes. If all 25 seats are full and maybe a few standing people. How do you yes. not get into the weeds and how does that not get out of control every night? Because I think about a lot of um, sort of the, the modern wine bars in, in places like New York City. Oftentimes, they're attractive for, for servers who, or bartenders or whoever who have worked in fine dining and don't want to work under the pressure of that mm-hmm. fine dining atmosphere anymore. And yes, while, while some of these wine bars, we are allowed as employees to, you know, wear jeans and sneakers and t-shirts and to work and we get to sling our favorite wines all night, but there's still that pressure from some right. manager on the floor who like just right. can't let the fine dining thing go. Right. What is right. The Why did like you refer you? to your table as guys? Why did you call <laughs> them that? Like, I know. Yuck. Um, so we totally get in the weeds and I just tell people, I say, Hey, what's up? Welcome. Stand here. Yo, can you give me like five to seven? That's where I'm at right now. And they're all like, wow, like I, I appreciate this. You know what I mean? And they're like, okay. You know, just manage expectations, but also like, yes, chef is not a place to go. If, like if you want like a 45 minute in and out, like go any place else, go any place else. I hate being rushed. A capital H hate being rushed. And I hate rushing people. I don't want people to even like get a whiff of me beginning to maybe think about wrapping them up. Right. So if there's a two top that comes into yes, chef, and if they spend less than two and a half hours there, I fucked up. Like something's wrong. Right. I want them to have like three bottles. Right. I want them to have a bottle before slash during their app. Right. I want them to crush a bottle during their main course, right? And if they're all like, we want something else, they'd be like, well, let's get that second bottle again. But as a third bottle, I'll tell you what, if you don't finish it, take it home with you. I don't care. I'll put it in a bag for you. That's a that's a that's that's a closed container. You're taking an Uber, right? They're like, Yeah, we're walking. Okay. So there's no like liability. Whatever. You know, so it's like we don't we don't turn tables, you know, it's um you know, like I'd rather sell that third or fourth or fifth bottle to a table, you know, and them just be absolutely stuffed and like pretty drunk and be like, wow, like this felt like an extension of my living room. Like it felt like a crazy house party. Like I'm coming back there. And I think that's what all the the wine bars sort of promote, but, but not all are able to pull that off. Um, so, you know, props for for actually delivering on that um i want to talk a little bit more about um selling wine because there's there's one or two people who i've worked with who remind me of you and and one uh is is a friend who i'm going to have on the podcast at some point who has since moved to chicago my friend colin tusca and colin was sort of a legend at uh the restaurant group that I worked at back in the day, Hearth Restaurant, which at the time also uh, was attached to Terroir Wine Bar. And Colin worked at both Hearth and Terroir, and he had moved to New York from Milwaukee, you know, got into restaurants and hospitality and wine and began, you know, fastly learning, fastly teaching himself. And, you know, back then, Hearth and Terroir, that that was a, a, a kind of an ideal situation for servers who, who really wanted to learn about wine. For sure. And, and, and the, the kind of like 
word on the floor of the restaurant, you know, or bar as you were setting up was, oh, Colin's working tonight. Cool. We're going to make money. <laughs> because you know it was a shared pit pool and yeah and yeah colin, colin was not uh you know uh, a a court of master sommelier disciple he was his own being and he was he was fun he was a little bit strange and sure. he just he had balls he he would approach a table you know chat with them and then basically just be like I think I have something for you and would walk away and would come back with, with an open <laughs> bottle of something and it already opened. You can't, it, you can't might, go it back. might cost yeah. three digits or more. <laughs> and, and then later I learned that Colin's job in Milwaukee before he moved to New York was selling cars. You okay. Yeah. Yeah, sure. And, and, and I just, that, that was sort of a, a cool moment for me. And, and it just really made me see concretely that that there is this way to sell things that doesn't always take like absolute authoritative knowledge no no you just gotta know a little bit more than an average server <laughs> just ask them what what they want and really listen really listen you know try to like translate if they're like, nothing sweet, but I want a little bit of sweetness on the nose, but no sweetness when I drink, but like round, you know? And I'm like, all right, um, I guess a, a Blau Frankish, you know what I mean? That's what I'm thinking. I'm like, all right, it's got some berries on the nose. It's not sweet. You know what? You know, it's just, it's got to really listen. And now, just, would you, you know, say that like you're, you, you kind of, you know, you, you admit, you agree, you think you are good at selling and I would agree sure. with that. Is that something that you honed over the years or could you sort of always naturally like back in your nightclub days, like move that, that, that bottle of Patron, you know, or that. Yeah. Bottle I would of always, yeah, I would, I would, I would always just crush the other bartenders in terms of sales. Like I'd have like 15 or 20,000 on my register and the ones neighboring me would have like six or 7,000. It's just so. So how how'd you get there? Is did you hone that, or is, was that just kind of in you? I think just in me. It's just you know, like you know, I just have this like you know, I've been told this energy about me. You know, people just kind of you know, it's it's um, I I use my powers for good, but I've always kind of generally been able to be able to read people and find out what they want. You know what I mean? And like, I want people to have a good time. Like, I want to have a good time. Uh, people have a good time near me, with me, around, you know, like I want that. Like I want that to happen. Well, um, and I believe you when you say that. I don't believe people everyone, pick up everyone on says it. that, but people I pick up on everyone. it. Right. And it's like, I believe you know, you. kind of people pick up on it. Thank you, brother. So, it's how, like, you so know, how do you teach that? Man, I fear the day that Yes Chef expands and I have to like be a manager and like teach someone to do these things. I just, I don't know. It's like, I guess the analogy that I use for sales is like you're like approaching someone in a bar, right? Right? Like someone you think is attractive and like, you know, you want to get their number, right? I mean, right. I mean, if you come up like nervously to them, like, hey, I go, I like to, um, maybe we could meet for coffee or, or a whole meal of, of food. If you, you know, he's, they're, 
they're done. They're done. Like they're already out of the door, right? Right. But if you see someone, you kind of casually bring up a conversation. There's a natural break in the conversation. Turn away. Come back 20 minutes later, blah, blah, blah. Towards the end of the night, you know, you say something like, uh, hey, you know, I'd, I'd really like to see you again. Uh, here's my number. If you agree, great. If not, no big deal. Have a good life. You know, it's all good. And like walk away. Like that more like, not like laissez-faire approach, but just like honest. Like, look, like it's not going to break my heart if like you don't buy this bottle of Blau Frankish, right? But I love it. And I think you really like it too, you know? And it's just, you know, it's just more earnest. It's more earnest. I want to, as as we're sort of approaching the hour, I want to talk a little bit more about restaurants and bars in New York City, uh, sort of in, in this coming out of the pandemic moment that we're sort of having. But before that, in terms of selecting and sharing New York wines with uh, guests at, at Yes Chef, what has been your experience when considering the different circles of wines being produced in New York or the Finger Lakes when we talk about um, natural wine, you know, wines that uh, are made from grapes from organically farmed vineyards versus more traditional farming. I mean, there's heroic efforts go into farming these vineyards uh, on, on the East coast of North America, but it's very difficult thing to farm organically here on the East coast, not just, not just grapes, but pretty much anything. And, you know, that's a, that's a hot topic right now in the wine world. What do your guests uh, talk about when they come in with you? Is there any insistence on, well, we only want to drink this organically grown product or we, we, are into natural wines, or I've never heard of that grape Vidal Blanc or um, uh, uh, some of the other hybrid wines that you've had in your program. How do sure. you handle all that these days? Yeah. Um, yeah. So if someone says like, oh, well, I've never heard of that grape. I'm like, well, that's, that's why you're here. Like, that's why you're at a wine bar. You know, like Cab Sav, Sauv Blanc, Pinot Grigio, these are all popular for a reason, right? But, you know, maybe when you go to a wine bar, you know, maybe you'll try the Blau Frankish. Maybe you'll try the Dry Vidal, right? You know, you know, maybe, you know, you know, maybe, you know, you'll get some Hungarian like white wine field blend or something, right? It's like, you know, maybe uh, this is the place for that, you know, and then they kind of open up to it, you know, and again, I'll be like, let me pour you a taste, be honest with me. It's not an insult to me if you don't like the wine. Like, you know, it's just not your grape. It's okay, you know. And as far as the natural, you know, organic, you know, I don't know, man. You know, whatever wine I like, whichever one, you know, we can. So basically, our rosés are 38 to $40 a bottle. Our whites are like 45 some are 46 48 Most of the reds are 50 to 55 a bottle. Uh, our most expensive red is like $69, you know, and I've got something that's, I don't really mention, but if someone asks for something fun, funky and different, I've got this like long skin contact on the Lees, I think M4 aged, I think Chardonnay from Austria that like almost drinks like an IPA and looks like cloudy and orange, you know? Um, so if people come in and they ask for like, you know, they say like, Oh, I'm nervous. Wine always gives me a headache and whatever. 
I'll ask them, like, oh, do you think it's a sulfites? And they'll be like, yeah, maybe. And I go like, okay, well, what happens when you have like French fries from a diner or from McDonald's or like dried fruit? Like, you know, does that give you a headache too? And they'll be like, no. I say, all right, so good news is it's not the sulfites, right? It's probably something else in the wine. You know, you're probably getting some like mass-produced wine with those additives or whatever. Um, you know, we tend to work with like smaller producer, you know, um, let's, let's try to have you have a good time, but not, not be hungover in the morning, you know, but kind of first and foremost, like it's gotta be good tasting wine at a price that makes sense for the customer as well as for us, you know, to sell it kind of for those price points. Cause I'd rather sell five bottles at 50, right. than sell two bottles at one twenty five. You are so much nicer and more hospitable than me when the headache conversation <laughs> comes up. I'm like, mm-hmm, sulfites? It's, do you think maybe it's because you had eight glasses? <laughs> maybe it's the alcohol. I know. They're like, they're like, I don't like sweet. I'm like, you're holding like a frappuccino. Like, like I know. I know you like sweet. <laughs> well, but, okay. but you know. <laughs> but, no, but ultimately, continue, it's like, you know, people – People come in, they say, like, I don't want wine, just nothing sweet. I think it's because they're intimidated by wine and they want to say something. They want to sound discerning, but they don't know what to say. And, like, I get that, man. I get that. When I'm at, like, tastings and there's these psalms with, like, with like a trillion letters behind their names and they're like, oh, what do you think about the blah, 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 blah levels in this wine? I don't even know what they're fucking saying. And I'm all like, it's good. <laughs> you know, so like, I, I get it, man. Like, I get it. You know, I just tell people, hey, listen, it's a drink. It's just a drink. It's probably the oldest drink in the world. It's, you know, or if I'm describing how something smells and, you know, the, and, you know, the customer's smelling it and I see they're, you know, maybe feel like a little uncomfortable. I say, but, but primarily notes of grapes and alcohol. Am I right? You know, and that'll make them generally laugh and relax a little bit all right well then you, i'll walk you, around uh, the floor and cheers people i'll walk around the floor and cheers people i'll give myself like a like smaller pour like a four ounce pour but i'll down it i'll full send in one gulp like come on let's do this you know well again i mean you you earlier you sort of insisted that you might struggle to teach somebody but like what you've been describing during this conversation is a lesson really and oh. again i think it's i think it's you know, not not that drinking on the job in hospitality is always uh, encouraged <laughs> or the right thing to do. Uh, but I think that- I've always been very upfront with people <laughs> when they're interviewing me. They're always like, they're always like, what's a pro and a con to hiring you? I'm like, it's the same thing. <laughs> what? <laughs> I'm like, I'm generally hired and ultimately fired for the same host of reasons. <laughs> And, you know, chef's just kind of like, whatever, man, like as long as the numbers are good, as long as it's not a, not a problem, we'll, you know, we'll like, you know, we'll like both know if it needs to be reined in, like whatever, you know, and yeah. you know, uh, the numbers are good. Well, again, I think, uh, you know, everybody has their own house rules and the fact that you're able to, to kind of keep the party going, drink a little bit with people. Again, I just think that that's a, a, a perk of, of never having instituted that sort of fine dining mentality at your wine bar. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Okay. So, so we got, we got a few minutes left. Uh, I have a lot of thoughts on 
uh, restaurants and sort of the reopening of everything. I talk to a lot of people about this. I, I love getting feedback. Um, I'm a little bit uh, upset with a lot of the higher ups in the restaurant nation for mostly only talking about stimulus and talking about loosening of restrictions because I don't believe that that's helpful when it comes to to, to use a phrase from our president, building back better. I, I think that the conversation all along should have been focused on what are we what are we gonna do when we get out of this that is sustainable because the model was in large part already broken before the pandemic. So I'm kind of curious to to hear some of your thinking because I would I bet you have some unique thoughts here. Yeah, I mean I've I think there's a lot of ways so I'm I've never really been like risk averse. You know, like I would have been fine going back to work a little bit before Memorial Day in 2020. Like that's just that's just where I was at. You know, like I got, you know, family to support, you know, getting that unemployment plus the 600. Like it didn't it did not sit well with me. You know, I've always worked. I, I would have I would have gone back to work immediately. Um, the day that I did not have to wear a mask when I worked was was like was like, oh, my God. It was like Mel Gibson at the end of Braveheart, like freedom, but I wasn't getting like, you know, my like guts impaled essentially. I mean, in terms of like how to fix the, oh man, I don't know. I do not know. You know, I guess to quote governor Murphy, that's above my pay grade, you know, um, in terms of, you know, where to, uh, it's just such a massive topic, man. I don't, I don't even know. Honestly, I don't know. But you you have a different – you must have a different uh, sort of experience because working in Astoria, Queens, is different from working in downtown Manhattan. The rents For are sure. a little lower. The, the community lower, yeah, is sure. a little different. And you're, you're working under a sort of a different playbook. And I, I'm curious as to what might we learn from your playbook that we can prescribe to the to the broader sort of important restaurant hospitality industry throughout New York and the country that maybe was missing. Yeah. In terms of so, let's, you know, again, just keeping people coming in, keeping yourself happy, keeping your boss happy, and prospering. Yeah, you just gotta have people just feel comfortable. It's hospitality, right? You know, you gotta be, you know, gotta be hospitable. You know, and now you know the rules are, you know, if you're vaccinated, you can walk around the restaurant without a mask on. You know, so I'll see people like walk up to the door of the restaurant and put a mask on. You know, kind of before they come in, and I'll say, hey, you know, you can say you can do whatever it is that you want to do to make yourself feel comfortable and safe. Do not feel as if you have to wear a mask for chef and I, we don't care. We just want you to have a good time and relax, you know? And if I say that to like 10 people, one or two are like, thank you. Uh, I feel comfortable wearing this mask. I'm like, great. And about eight or nine of them are like, oh, thank God. And like, they take it off. I think it's just about just making people feel welcome. And, you know, you have to pivot, you know, you know, you have to pivot your model Yes, Chef was pretty lucky that it's just two owners and it's me, right? So it's just, you know, it's like it's like a group chat, you know, I'll like bounce out an idea like, hey, do you want to do a monthly wine club with free delivery? 
what do you think like a mixed case of 12 bottles for $199? Like, you know, do you want to do that? You know, so we like pivoted, you know, and I saw like a lot of other places pivoted to like, you know, it's a company to Vance Natural was doing like, you know, uh, Berkshire's direct, like, you know, farm boxes and like, you know, wine delivery too. It's, you just gotta, you know, it's, it's a moving target, man, but you know, you just gotta adapt and you have to, make people feel as comfortable as they can. So they're going to want to come back. You know, there's been some places that even after the mask mandate was lifted, they're still like holding on to it and they're within their right to do it. However, that doesn't make me feel welcome at a place personally, you know? Yeah. And, and I mean, inherently with the business model of yes, chef, I mean, like you mentioned, it's, it's, Three people. Yeah. Yeah. So, and it's and, two and that, people who are working there. Like, you know, you know, it's yeah. And as long as you are both you both feel taken care of, you're able to handle service on your nightly basis. You're you keep your guests happy. And mm-hmm. I guess your bottom line must must be good as a result. But I mean, that is a I think um a, a good lesson because opening bars and restaurants is difficult to do with just two or three people. And what ends up happening is, is it's a lot of work. So you end up hiring more people and then your labor costs go up and your profit yeah. margin just dwindles. But you gotta keep the cost low as possible. I think something, sure. to, something to be learned from the model of yes, chef, and this might sound counterintuitive to some, but you guys also just kind of close when, when you feel like it. And, Self-care, and that's, honey. That's not a New Yorker <laughs> mentality. That is no. a very uh, much a sort of an international uh, hot take. And right. I love it. I think self-care and, you know, <laughs> <laughs> self-care and, and personal time is, is so much more important than we give it credit for. I do not believe any longer and shame on the people who told us coming up through this industry that – if you don't want to work 80 hours a week, this is not for you. Right. Like, like, what are we like saving lives? Like relax. Right. You know, and also sort of, you know, the other side of the coin is that cause we don't, you know, cause we'll like close randomly, but if it's a nice day and if we're not open and if four people want to come in, you give us heads up, we'll open, we'll open. Right. Like, you know, we're, we're typically not open on Mondays. Right. But if it's beautiful, 85 degree day, there's four of you want to come in, we'll open. If it's crap weather, if six of you want to come in, we'll open. Just DM us. It's just, you know, we're, you know, we're here for you. I love that. All right, Philip. I think that's a good place to stop. So everybody check out, follow Yes Chef Weinbar on Instagram for, here we go, all the sick yeah and even better go in person philip i can't wait to see you uh, you, brother hopefully sooner rather than later thank you again to dave miller for our theme music and again everybody have a great summer get started with some new york wine at yes chef wine bar in astoria queens philip see you soon brother see you soon paul